you want something more? I mean, more meaningful moments, opportunities, deeper relationships, and memorable experiences. Do you want to make a difference? If you said yes to any of that, a career in real estate could be the opportunity you're looking for. Guiding people through one of the most important decisions they ever make, the purchase or sale of their home, could be both rewarding and lucrative for you. Exit Realty's revolutionary compensation model, training, and technology provide you with the tools and resources you need to start and build your successful real estate career. Call Exit Realty Low Country Group today at 843-619-3005. That is 843-619-3005. Or visit join.exitlowcountry.com and make your exit today. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Exit Strategies Radio Show. I am your host, Colwyn J. Millett, broken owner of Exit Realty Low Country Group in beautiful North Charleston, South Carolina. If this is your first time listening to this show, you, sir or ma'am, are in for a treat because our mission here is very simple. That is to empower our community through financial literacy and real estate education. We're legacy building. That is what we do. So if you're out there making things happen with your family, for the generations yet to come, you know, our word teaches us to leave a legacy, to leave an inheritance for our children, our children, children, and so forth and so on. We want you to put a hashtag on that thing that says that you are legacy building because that is what you are doing. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Anchor FM. You can also find us on Instagram at our website, ExitStrategiesRadioShow.com. You can catch us in a number of different places on your favorite podcast applications. We appreciate you listening. Please share this content with your friends, your family, your co-workers, even those in your groups, your church groups, etc. Guys, because sometimes the message and the word that we are speaking here today is for you. Sometimes it is for someone else that you know. Again, we appreciate you listening. Let's get started. Good morning, good morning, and great morning. Guys, welcome to another fabulous episode of Exit Strategies Radio Show. Hey, I am your host, Corwin J. Millett, broker and owner of Exit Realty Low Country Group in beautiful North Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, if this is your first time listening to this show, hey, you, sir or ma'am, are in for a treat. That's because our mission Yes, we have a mission. It's very simple, and that is to empower our community through financial literacy and real estate education, guys. We are legacy building, and that is what we do. So, guys, look, I've told you, and we have been delivering, and I'm going to keep talking about it because we keep doing it, and that is because we care about you. We have scoured. We have cast wide nets. We have yelled from the mountaintops that we want to bring the best guests to our listeners here at Exit Strategies Radio Show. And today I am extremely humbled. I am extremely honored to have this gentleman on with us to touch on and share what his organization does 
to help empower people with financial literacy. So I have none other than Vince Shore, the CEO of National Financial Educators Council. Vince, how you doing today, my man? Corwin, good to be here and appreciate all that you're doing in this space. So thank you. But no, thank you. So look, you're a busy guy. I know it. We know it. And I really appreciate you taking time out to be with us and our listeners today. So if you don't mind, give our people, our listeners, an introduction to who you are and what it is that you do. Yeah, happy to do so. And I'll skew it toward the real estate side because that was really my initial passion in really anything to do with finance. Uh-huh. I remember in the back of classes, I was reading my dad's foreclosure books, right? <laughs> so I was forget science, forget history. I don't care. I was interested in money, foreclosures, you know, real estate, so forth. That's uh-huh. where I started. Uh, my grandfather made an investment in me, bought me this uh, course. It's like one of those seminar based courses. We yeah. went there like a thousand dollar package. I read that thing 20, 30 times, ended up buying real estate. My teenage years, uh, first was a little piece of land in New Mexico. I still have, it's worth nothing, but that was my first investment, right? I didn't know how to really evaluate things at that time. Uh My next was a small property in uh, Arizona, which was a rental. And then I bought a home I lived in at 20. So I really enjoyed that time because all my friends were asking me about this. All my parents' friends were asking me about, hey, how do I buy a home? How do I do these things? And I really enjoyed that process of educating people. Although I knew the higher-end investment type and how to do it, I lacked some basic money management skill sets. Like one thing was important I learned the hard way is not to make riskier investments with credit card fronted money. Uh-huh. Interest rate uh-huh. high. It takes a lot of big returns to do. So I made some mistakes. It put me okay. behind the eight people. And mm-hmm. I really went through years of struggle to really maintain what I had and, and just avoid, you know, <laughs> worried about, hey, if my car's going to break down, mm-hmm. how am I going to get gas to go to school? I mean, those years of struggle really inspired me to get into financial services. And I ended up in the mortgage sector my last uh, handful of years. Mm-hmm. And I realized that my story was not unique. There's a lot of people out there that were making simple, dumb, easily avoidable mistakes. And even people that owned multiple pieces of real estate went through the refinance process many times. They were still asking me very basic questions. Mm-hmm. And that's what my mom, I just got burnt out. My mom reminded me of, of my time in high school where I, you know, I was frustrated at what I was learning. That's when we founded the National Financial Educators Council uh, back in uh, 2006. And glad to be here with you here today. Well, thank you. At the council, what do you guys focus on? What is it that you hope to accomplish with it as well? And I got to get back on this other side about your investing because I know our listeners love that stuff. But what are you guys focused on as far as assisting people? And what do you hope to accomplish, I guess, overall with the mission? First, it's to increase access to quality financial education for all ages. So we start as young as three years old all the way through the ages. So we, we increase access by doing a few things, training educators. So we put educators through training so they can teach personal finance effectively. Uh, we increase access by training coaches to coach one, people one-on-one. So maybe people that don't have that money to invest or that money to uh, you know, purchase real estate, they really have nowhere to turn. So make sure they, they're trained and have the resources to educate adults. And we also uh, partner with financial service industry people to donate resources to local communities. And our focus is really scaling programs. 
And how we increase the access is not only by delivering the resources, we also do bigger advocacy campaigns. Uh, you may have seen the one we did uh, here last month with Kevin O'Leary, Shark Tank. Uh, Mr. Wonderful, he did a video for us, which was great, really promoting financial education and also through relationships. I know you're a big relationship builder, and that's a key thing for us, too, from the policy side to the advocacy side to those teachers, to the nonprofits, to the faith-based groups that are in these communities. It's those relationships are really key to help us promote financial literacy and to get people more educated on money. I love what you guys are doing. I have this conversation often. You know, schools have gotten away from this. One of the things that kids come out of high school, you know, it's impressive now. And I think it seems like I remember this in high school that they taught us how to write checks. They taught us how to balance a checkbook. Those are things that we had to learn and had to do. Now, people don't carry and write checks like they used to, at least not younger generations. Older folks still do. That's some, hey, hey, I got a checkbook in the car. (laughs) They ready to go. But outside of that, people don't. So we're not educating our kids and our kids are living off the app. So when they open the bank account, whatever's in the mobile app, that's what they think they got to spend. They go spend it and may not remember that, hey, I charged something, swiped a card for something that charge hasn't posted yet. So I did that yesterday. I'm thinking the money's already gone. So I'm spending what I see there and I may overdraft my account. That's huge that you guys are doing that. So let me ask you this very broad question. And you may know the statistic. I don't. But if you do, please share it. But what is the statistic of children in high school now that are receiving this type of training and information across our country or any specific area you want to target? You know, basically, we analyze every 50 states and about uh, 20 states have mandated financial literacy programming. And of those, we, you know, other organizations rate ABC scale. We say every state absolutely fails. They fail for a number of reasons. One, they don't have qualified educators teaching, right? You can't take somebody from math to teach personal finance. You know, one plus one equals two in math. The difference is with personal finance, everybody has different habits, behaviors, different financial situations, socioeconomic upbringing. So it's not that analytical, logical thing. As you know, people make emotional decisions. So they don't have qualified teachers. Most of states are unfunded mandates. Uh, Most, they don't have testing requirements. The biggest one, there's not enough time and rigor required. So, you know, all these people in this industry, financial education, applaud when they, some state has like a 10 hour financial literacy course. I'm like in the back, I was quoted in Forbes saying, hey, that's not going to do anything, right? Imagine trying to speak Spanish after 10 hours. And the reality is with money, it impacts 100% of students where a subject like science, advanced geometry, algebra, all these things that impact such a small amount. Science, people that leverage their degree to earn income, less than 6%. Math, less than 25% need anything higher than eighth grade level math. Mm -hmm. So we're teaching subjects that are absolutely useless when money impacts everybody from a very core human perspective need. So I'm a little, I would say I'm not on the positive side, although I'm a positive guy. You know, we have to be real with what these states are doing and what they're failing on. And that's a big mission that we're doing is really trying to say, hey, states, here's the framework to build out quality programs. And we did that because we're the only accredited provider in the space. And that means something when these states are just relying on policymakers to make up what's being taught. No, there's processes, procedures, there's best practices. Let's follow that to make sure these kids 
are getting the education they deserve. What I just heard in that is so true. And I'm a paraphrase, but essentially legislators are not engaging the experts in the field. They're making decisions that oftentimes don't turn out to be the right decisions. You got local school boards, you have state legislators, and I can imagine even at a national level, um, there's certain things that's being put into place that may counteract what you're doing from the grassroots level. Is that fair to say? That is. And just to tie in one thing that you mentioned about check writing in a few mm-hmm. states that's still taught. What so happened? That check writing still taught in their financial literacy programs. Like, okay, it's, it's a new age, right? Check writing isn't a safe way to manage your finances. Yeah, my parents still write checks. Yeah, it's for that generation. But it's still taught. It's still integrated in some financial literacy curriculum. And we all know that's not current event that should be taught. Uh, we can make space for something else, but just kind of silly to, to spend an hour teaching them how to write checks when that's absolutely not needed in today's age. Look here, for the amount of checks that most people write nowadays, you probably can do it in about 15 minutes versus an hour. It does not need that much time because it's very rare. But case in point, I changed banks a number of years ago. It's been a long time. And when I changed banks, I didn't even order checks for the personal account. Not mm-hmm. for the personal account. Yeah. Business stuff, yes, but personal account at all. So when I need a check, I enter the person's bill pay and have the bank send them a check. Yeah. Gold. Yeah. As I found one, I didn't pay for a bunch of checks that may be sitting around, which means that they could be compromised. True. That's one. Number two, I'm not even paying for the check that I'm having them send. The bank on the bill pay doesn't charge me for that. Yeah, true. So, I mean, so it's like, okay, well, I saved some money and also limited my risk in that. So that's interesting. You should say that, though, that the curriculums that are still in existence, what I heard was they're outdated, they're antiquated, so they need to be updated. That's one of the big problems out there. And it's times are changing so rapidly, you know, and we, if we look at the subjects that they're teaching in school, we go back a hundred years, mm-hmm. they're still teaching the same subjects, right? Yeah. We have chat GPT, we have computers, right? I think mm-hmm. the whole education system should have been changed by then, you know, something like real estate. And if we look at the path for how most people achieve financial security in their yes. life, it's real estate, right? Don't you think, hey, if we really concerned about protecting our kids, wanting the best future for them, we would teach a subject like that. Of course, I'm bigger into broader money management topics too, mm-hmm. but I would also include, hey, let's get real estate and other topics in there so they understand how to start a business, how to invest and replace some of these outdated antiquated subjects that aren't going to benefit them at all in the future. So two things, a trade and how to manage the money you make from it. Yeah. Put those two things together and we change the entire dynamic. Not every True. child is going to college. We know that. And the ones that go while we do embrace, even still, they go to college, teach at the college level. Okay, how are you going to apply this knowledge? What does application look like? And then past that, how to manage the finances? Because well, there's some kids coming out of college making six figures a year. Boom. There's some that's coming out of college <laughs> barely making five. And both of them need financial management skills. Both of them. Because just one person got more to manage, but both of them still have the need. Yeah. And you bring up a good point there with that career and trade education, you know, where we include that in financial literacy. So financial literacy, it's kind of a broad term for us. I think career and trade education is critical. To your point, a lot of people, they'll go to college, they'll switch majors several times, which costs them more money because they have never been exposed to these other topics. A survey here recently where it uh, compared what kids in the U.S. want to be 
compared to what kids in China that live in China want to be. And then China was like rocket scientists and you know, molecular engineers, all this you know high tech type stuff. Mm-hmm. In the U.S., the number one was a YouTube influencer. Up there was an athlete, a celebrity. The only one that was like a trade was teachers. And we had this conversation with our advisory board. It's like, hey, why teachers amongst this list of all these other athletes, YouTube influencer? The reason we came up with, and I'll let your audience make their own determination, but was the fact that that's the only other profession they're really exposed to on a mass scale is teaching. And that career education, allowing kids the ability to explore things they may or may not like. I've worked with people that had their law degree, that spent all the time getting the law degree, and then they go into the working profession. They're like, I don't like this, right? We could have helped them explore that early on and so forth. So your point on trade education is critical. Money in, how you manage it, how much you save, and how we can make that grow and invest for us. Yeah, apprenticeships and stuff. So I want to make sure we get back in on what this company does. But I also want to get some more of your experience as it relates to investing and stuff as well, because all of this stuff is relevant. The lessons that you're teaching now, you learn the hard way in your investing. I find that fascinating. Most times it's the opposite way. You want to learn it and then go apply it, but you learned it. So you learned the application of it. So you kind of backtracked yourself into it. So your company, you guys are amazing. Like you have all this information, um, all these certifications, all these things that you do, again, to help champion financial literacy within our communities. You're quote unquote, you're the teacher for the teacher. So how do you find one? I mean, is this something that you have a lot of engagement with is one question. The second part of that is give me an example of what you've seen as the impact of what your organization does. Yeah, I think the the biggest impact that we're making really is how people are in the whole industry are teaching, educating, and promoting financial wellness. You know, I think before you'd get up to a a financial literacy presentation, financial education presentation, it'd be death by PowerPoint, right? People would be walking through slides and so forth, even when they're coaching, it's more like talking to them. But the beauty of education, it's there's best practices teaching that align nicely with other skill sets that financial professionals have as far as sales and so forth. So there's ways that we can address not only their content knowledge, their behaviors, their confidence, the systems they have established. So really taking a look at people's finances from a holistic perspective and not just, hey, gain knowledge on credit because somebody can have knowledge on credit. They can know, hey, there's three credit bureaus. There's a 700 is a pretty good score. You should pay your bills on time. That's one level. Where we want to drive is toward higher order thinking skill sets where people know, how do I get my credit report? How do I analyze it? How do I set up systems to either improve or maintain a good credit? So that higher order thinking skill sets is where we're really trying to drive the industry is to push people toward empowering people so they're confident to make the decisions that that they need to make to achieve longer term goals. They have a plan in place and they modify or mold positive behaviors to reach that plan. So the key thing we're trying to do is raise awareness. It's not just literacy. Even though we use that term over and over, it's these other factors that really, and you see it on the real estate side all the time. It's, hey, people are, they may know something, but it's like, can they apply it and can they benefit from it? And that's really what we're trying to drive in this industry. That is massive. So as you touched on some of this a little early events about 
a quote unquote, the lessons that you've learned along the way. So you started investing early. I love that. I tell people what got me to real estate. My grandfather was a carpenter. I used to work on houses with them. Mm. And but I hated working on houses as I got it. So I didn't ever want to learn the trade, but I used to build houses and stuff with him. I did flooring. I put roofs on. I mean, I did all of that stuff, carried up and down the ladder, skedaddle on the house. You look at me now, you'd be like, nah, boy, you ain't been up in the house. But for what it's worth, I took from him the business part of it, the interaction with people. He also oversaw properties for people, property management. So I took that part of it and my application to people tied to my knowledge about houses is what got me into real estate. And I got in with similar. I wanted to be an investor. I got licensed and I realized, wait a minute, I can help people do what I want to do, which is I want to invest in real estate. Everybody in this country that has wealth and means, they might not have started with real estate, but real estate sustains because God ain't making no more dirt. So with that, you learn lessons. Okay, well, look, this ain't the way for me. And it's not a one size fits all. You know that. I know that. Our listeners, they need to understand that the way that you go or went might be for some of them, may not be for all. So your exploration into real estate, again, started at a very young age. What was the first type of property that you acquired? It was a small piece of land, but I say my first property was a real property was a condo in Phoenix, Arizona. I think it was a twenty eight thousand. That might be thirty eight thousand dollars FHA minimal qualifier, three percent down. You know that type of deal, and it was almost break even, right? And I kept that for quite a while. My second one was in Huntington Beach. I actually, I was a uh, bus boy. I might've been a waiter at the time. I might've been read about that transition, but one of the guys there was a realtor. I always pick his mm-hmm. brain, right? So he was always eating, eating the counter, real nice guy. He'd always feed me a lot of information, give him a little extra uh-huh. stuff on the side. Uh-huh. Good guy. And he said, hey, there's uh, your property going up down the street for people that, that haven't ever owned a primary residence. I'm all perfect. I've never owned a primary residence. So I found a partner, a buddy at the gym and he wanted to buy something too. And, and we ended up purchasing a, a two bedroom condo there. And I bought him out a couple years later when he moved. But that was really the process. And you mentioned something that's very interesting. And, and I think a, a lot of people need to think about this. There's many different ways to participate in real estate, right? Those mm-hmm. fixer uppers, there's a rental property, there's a primary residence, there's you know flipping, there's a pre-construction investing, all these different things. And I think Everybody sees, hey, I just need to buy a home first. My path to this was rental just because I didn't have the money to buy a home. I was at that time, I definitely was a busboy. When I was a waiter, I was able to purchase that to my primary residence at 20 years old. So it's a process and, and you'll find kind of what you enjoy as well, where your risk is, what you feel comfortable with. But I always tell people, you need to understand the mortgage process And you need to understand basic real estate, right? And being able to identify areas of potential growth and so forth. You're not always right and so forth, but the more knowledge you have going in, the better questions you can ask of people like your professionals, like Corwin here and other people that you're going to be dealing with. We're quickly getting towards the end of the show. So I don't want to get past the opportunity here for you to plug your company. How can people get in contact with you? So if you don't mind, how can people connect with you, with your organization? 
So anybody that feels a passion for promoting financial education, financial literacy, coaching, getting out in their communities, my personal LinkedIn is Vince Shorb, just as you see it on the screen here. Also, you can go to our website, financialeducatorscouncil.org. And again, we, we attract those people that are passionate about wanting financial education in their communities. Also, we work a lot with financial service personnel that are looking to be involved in the financial wellness movement. So thanks for that opportunity. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. So Vince, I have this thing that we have been doing for hmm, last several weeks. I frame it as the mic drop, and you probably got several of these. It's that thing that if you would have known it way back yonder when, would have completely changed the trajectory and would have you in a completely different place now, much further than than where you are. And I always know that we have to do the things that we have done in order to get to where we are on the way to where we're going. But sometimes if you can look back and change one particular thing, you really believe that you would already have surpassed where you are today. So if you could share with our listeners, what is that for you? Yeah, for me, I really got sidetracked with school. I was very entrepreneurial minded at a young age. I was always that. And I, you know, I ended up going to college and spending a lot of money and studying some things. I got value out of very little. I mean, it sidetracked me about seven years. I was working full time and doing other things as well, always starting businesses and doing some activity. But I felt that really sidetracked me and distracted from my true nature. I mean, I spent a couple of years. I'm like, okay, now I got this degree. I'm going to get into a career, right? Like, that wasn't me. I quickly realized that I was off course and recorrected and took action to fix that. But I would tell young people, hey, just consider the options. You can get a high grade education by reading books, YouTube videos, going, you know, I mean, even Harvard has their classes online. A lot of them, if you want to study Harvard based class or high Ivy League type classes, you can do so online. So just make sure you have a plan first. I wish I would have had a, a more conviction in my plan and more faith in myself early as far as my ability to create businesses, to invest and in, create things that a uh, better society. And I got sidetracked for a little bit, but I'm on the right track now and uh, nothing's stopping me now. So I really hope that gets through some of your younger listeners because they're here, right? You have a big influence. People all, I've seen your, uh, many of your podcasts and, and other interviews. And it's like people are following you. I think that young people can be a, be a very positive influence to following a path toward yourself. And if that involves college, that, that involves a trade school, if that involves alternative education, great, do it. I wish I would have had that advice at, at 18, 17, 16-year-old, but I'm glad to share it now. Well, I greatly appreciate that. Vince, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being on the show with us today. I've had a great time um, with you and you've shared some amazing insight for our listeners. So Vince, one more time, thank you for taking time out to be with us today. Corwin, it's been an honor. Appreciate everything you're doing and look forward to talking here again with you soon. Please, thank you. So for our listeners, guys, hey, y'all know, y'all know how we feel about you. Y'all know what we say. And we always like to put those two things together and do it this way, which is, I love you, I love you, I love you, and we're going to see you guys out there in those streets. Guys, that was a great show today, and we thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Exit Strategies Radio Show. 
My name is Corwin J. Millett. Yes, that is me. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in for today's episode. Exit Strategies is my baby. It is how I give back to our community. It is how I foster goodwill, spread good news, and trustfully help you get great results. Guys, as I always say to you, as I always say to you, I love you. I love you. I love you. And we're going to see you guys out there in the streets.